The Yukon 1000 is billed as the world's longest canoe race, covering 1,000 miles starting in Canada and going into the Arctic Circle to end up in Alaska. Competitors paddle about 18 hours a day, sleeping for only a few hours in the rough and remote wilderness. In 2022, New Zealanders Ben Lott, who's 32, and Scott Worthington, who's 65, did the Yukon 1000 together. Getting to the finish line of such an extreme event is an incredible achievement in itself. But in this case, the truly remarkable feat of recovery and endurance was getting to the start line. Because in March 2018, Scott found Ben dazed and concussed during another ultra-adventure race. A nasty fall left Ben with a brain injury that meant he had to learn to walk and to talk again. The extreme endurance challenge of Ben's recovery and his friendship with Scott is the story told in a video documentary by Kiwi news site Stuff.co.nz. It's called Finding Ben. And I'm delighted to say that Ben Lott and Scott Worthington join us on RN now. And for Scott, it's welcome back because we spoke to Scott in January about the ultra adventure race that he co-created, The Revenant, a 60 hour, 200 kilometer running challenge with a 16,000 meter ascent, so extreme that since it began in 2019, only four people have completed The Revenant in the required time. Scott, Ben, welcome back. Thanks, Thanks, for, you. Having Thanks for having me. Before we get to your accident, Ben, I wonder if each of you could please just give us a quick portrait of who you were and where you were in your life before, Scott, you found Ben in 2018 during that race. Let, let's start with you, Ben. Oh, I'm trying to remember how old I was then. Um, <laughs> let's say later 20s, get my calculator out. Yep. young, tall, ginger, burning candles at all ends, um, has a demanding job, kind of a demanding athletic career as well, and going about life with not a whole lot of worry in the world and pretty invincible. Would that be about right, Scott? I think it would be about right. Yeah, overperforming would be a good way to, to sum it up. Yeah. And what about you, Scott? <laughs> Semi-retired at that stage, still doing some work, but not as much, and very much concentrating on my love of the outdoors and racing and my own missions. You both obviously had an affinity for really extreme endurance events, but obviously everything changed with the accident. Ben, could you tell us what actually happened in the accident itself? So um, we've been multiple days into an expedition race, naturally a lack of sleep being quite tired and then I've ended falling down a flight of stairs well down the bottom of the South Island of New Zealand and I've smacked my head um, which has caused a whole lot of issues afterwards and because we didn't address it correctly at the time it's only unraveled because we didn't quite understand how bad this was going to get and how much it was going to affect me. Because, Scott, you didn't actually find Ben at the bottom of the stairs. He tried to keep going in the race, as I understand it. Yeah, that's right. I was in the in the same race but with a different team. So we didn't uh, come across Ben until he'd had the fall. They pushed on. So we came across him in the next stage, the worst for wear, and I was lucky I had a doctor on board and she assessed him pretty quickly that things weren't quite right. And so from then we passengered each other um, to the finish of the race. So, Scott, you and your team decided to basically stay with Ben and to you know, get him back. 
So when we found them, we sort of had a, a discussion and came to the consensus with their team and our team that Ben's team would sort of push on to the next stage mm. and then at that stage um, seek some support. It's just unfortunate when, when they got to that place, there, there wasn't any support there. So they pretty much had to push on to home. And so we uh, then connected on that very last stage. And at that last stage, yeah, we stayed together and, and as two teams pushed on to the finish line together to support each other. And Ben, you alluded to the way the injury sort of unfolded slowly after the actual accident. Yeah. And it really was a a really complete unravelling. In medical terms, Ben, what actually happened to you? In medical terms, it's a severe brain injury. Um, What is underneath that is a whole bunch of symptoms. You know, there's everything from the nausea to the memory loss uh, to the fatigue to the migraines. And it was like the brain was just continuing to go, go, go to try and keep itself alive. And then it just couldn't go anymore. And obviously for somebody who was so used to physical exertion and extreme challenges, that must have just been mentally devastating as well. Yeah, you you know, doing these events, you know how to handle fatigue, you know how to handle your emotions uh, when you're tired. And I was a competitive uh, show jumper and avenger at the time, having ridden around the world, I'd stop riding. Um, I was very angry, you know, and really struggling with the fatigue, wasn't the same human being anymore, but couldn't see it. And look, I know it was obviously a dark time, but just to give listeners a sense, Ben, how bad did it get? What sort of state were you in when you were at your lowest? Um, when you've had to ship your entire team of horses off and it's the thing you've loved most mm. and you've lived for it. You're 29 in bed at your parents' place who you've not lived with for so many years because you've been through boarding school and overseas and you just don't know what's coming. You know you, you know, you, there's going to be a way to fight it out, but you can't get out of bed, so what are you going to do? And then we thought we had some help. We moved me into another city, Dunedin, which was further down the line, away from family, away from friends. We thought it was the best thing to do, but the team just couldn't cope with me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you were having trouble standing and you lost your speech as well. Lost of speech as well. That was entertaining. Um, as someone who probably Scott could attest to, likes to talk a lot. Um, <laughs> there was certainly seem to have got it back lot. comprehensively. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's been a lot of work that has gone in. You know, I don't sound the same as I used to, but, mm. you know, I half the time would know what I wanted to say, but we just couldn't get the noises out. And there was a whole lot of grunting and a whole lot of people like Scott trying to decipher and almost using like a Google Translate for Ben um, to try and piece together what it was I was trying to say. And the balance was horrendous. You know, you lose that. So then you can't even close your eyes when you're standing up. So entertaining. On RN, we're speaking with endurance friends, Ben Lott and Scott Worthington. Ben, what made you reach out to Scott, who you didn't really know that well when your life collapsed in the way it did. So I'd known um, Scott through being in different other teams and us always being the same speed and always having the same chats every year (laughs) at a particular race. Hi, how are you? What are you doing? Blah, 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 blah. 
and it was just you know reaching out the, there was something that happened in the world that were two worlds collided and here we are now mm. Scott how did Ben reach out to you we obviously got uh, the two teams finished together in that 2018 race and I don't know it must have been a month or so later I got a call from Ben asking if I would race with his, his team um, the following year which I thought was great so I said yes but unfortunately I got a phone call uh, maybe about a month after that and it was Ben but I didn't know it was Ben because I couldn't understand a word this guy was saying on the end of the phone mm. um, I thought it was a hoax I thought it was a bit of a hoax call or something but it was it was Ben reaching out to me and then when I came to the realisation it was Ben, it, it was pretty confronting, to be honest. That was the start of us um, trying to see what we could do together to beat this thing. Ben, what you refer to as Scotty's trips became an important part of what I suppose was a sort of amateur improvised road to rehab. Why did you embark on that? And could you just tell us about Scotty's trips and what they meant to you? Yeah, um, I think we possibly built one of the best rehab programs around. We just started doing these little adventures and it was Scott getting me out into the outdoors to get that confidence back that my body would actually start to behave um, and that I could actually do some of these things. So we started to do these trips that were so remote but they were such a big part of resetting the brain and resetting the mindset and there's something about being out in nature with no noise that's really quite good for the body and soul. But in a way, those Scotty trips, were they sort of different from what was being recommended to you by your, your medical advisors? Yeah, when they're asking you um, possibly to only walk about 800 metres and ride your bike for 500 metres, which was another thing that I had to learn, and that you could do a 10-minute walk, it probably wasn't what they were asking for. And by the book, you wouldn't want to bring symptoms on, which would happen in a regular day, even when I was awake. You know, there'd be symptoms there, but we managed to push through them and got better. Yeah, I don't think they were quite fans of the trips, but they were a massive part of the rehab and a large part of getting me back on track again. Scott, could you give us a bit of a description of what, say, the early trips that you took Ben on were like, what state he was in and, and, and what sort of impact you saw them having on him? Yeah, so the early trips, uh, I distinctly remember going up uh, Y Creek, which was a little valley up behind Queenstown here in New Zealand, and a fairly steep ascent, but um, at the same time relatively short. And balance was probably his biggest issue at that stage in terms of being outdoors, uh, along with the fatigue and nausea and, and, and everything else. But I just remember him sort of like with his jelly legs going up the up the climb and even more so coming down the steep descent. But they were, you know, started off being short, but still challenging. And I think the important thing to say here is that this is what Ben self-diagnosed. He knew that he had to get back into something that he loved. He lost his horses and so forth, but the outdoors was his other major passion. And you start with passion. That's where and why these trips started. Where did the idea for the Yukon 1000 come from? Oof, this is a good one. Something had come up about having something to do down the line. Scott knew that I needed to have a goal down the line and what was it that I was going to do. And I remember some great Kiwis, Ian Huntsman and Wendy Ryak, they had gone and done this Yukon race. They'd won it. It was a big, long paddle, looked terrifying at the start. 
that's what we want to do. Sure enough, Scott turns around and says, oh, yeah, yeah, I'd be into that. <laughs> and so off we go, and it's a happening thing. To the dismay of my rehab team, but you've got to have something you're really passionate about because a rehab journey is can be so dark and so black and so tunnel-like. You've got to have something down the end that you're pushing towards to get there. Scotty, would you have done the Yukon 1000 if it wasn't for Ben suggesting it and you, your thoughts about what role that might play in his rehab journey? I didn't know it existed. <laughs> so um, it wasn't until Ben said he wanted to do it and I said yes, I went home and Googled to see what the, the heck it was all about. But, you know, he talks about his medical team. One thing I noticed through this whole thing is that a lot of our medical stuff in New Zealand tends to be sort of a one-size-fits-all. And unfortunately, that's just not how life works. And I think Ben's skill set, um, just the way he thinks, the high-performance nature is, is not something that, that our system is used to dealing with. And, and so a Yukon 1000 just automatically throws up red flags. But if you sit back and really have a look at that person, in this case, Ben, and have a look at the passion, have a look at what he's done in the past, it's a very achievable goal. Yes, I'm certainly glad to hear that, Ben and Scott, you're not recommending a thousand uh, mile <laughs> kayak trip for anyone who's going through rehab, but I can see how uh, it might have been the right thing for you, Ben. It's a story of an amazing friendship that was forged between you and not just one friendship either, Ben, because Scott's wife, Sue, has also been a really important part of your rehabilitation as a person, hasn't she? Yes, yeah, she has been, actually, um, which was another part of all of this that just happened that we've ended up as um, business partners. So we own a digital agency together. We're based here in New Zealand, um, but we have clients both sides of the Tasman, which is really neat. But again, having lost your, your speech, there were certainly some pretty challenging moments on the road back to uh, fully employed recovery. Could you tell us some of the challenges you faced there, Ben? Yeah, when you're trying to explain um, to a client that the campaign you've run for them has had spectacular results and the client can't even look at you nor attempt to understand you and then attempts to cut you out of your own business. It's a very humbling experience. You learn a lot about yourself and you learn a lot about not judging books by its cover. I came away from those instances going, this is the kick in the pants just as the trips with Scott were to do both sides of it to get the physical side back but also really work on the brain side and actually see if we can get that brain back, if not better, than where it was. It's clear that you started making great strides in terms of a return to health that made it possible for you to take on the Yukon 1000. Then, of course, COVID got in the way as well. But, Scott, you also had your own health challenges that threatened to disrupt your plans for the Yukon 1000. Could you tell us about that? Oh, yeah. Anything from a, a tooth pull the night before the race over in Canada and through to a bit of cancer and a, and, a, and, a, and a bit of spinal surgery. But they're certainly not things that have that ability to completely, you know, take you back to square one, which, which is what happened to Ben. Well, we probably should have had a hospital with us, though, because at one point there, we were practically a walking hospital. <laughs> well, when we filled the, um, the race uh, entry form out for the race... I said to Ben, well, you're not a liar and nor am I. So if they ask us, is there any medical issues that you guys have, 
that might uh, exclude you from doing this race, how are we going to respond? And we said, oh, we just have to be, you know, honest. Well, we were really lucky. That question never came up, so we didn't have to answer it. <laughs> Sounds like it would have needed a pretty big box on the form to fill that one. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Exactly. Ben, you said earlier that in the depths of dealing with your injury that you were, you were very angry. You don't sound like an angry person now. You sound very happy. Could you tell us a little bit about the mental journey to getting back from that very dark place? Yeah, and it's, it's interesting because there's multiple people that would throw around the depression word and the, the mental health word. Well, in the end of the day, it was grief. And I was really, really lucky to have a fantastic high-performance psychologist who I still use to this day who really identified that it was grief at the end of the day. There's a big difference between depression and grief. So by having this goal at the end and building the people around me that I knew would just be able to backstop me at all cost, you really find out what people are made of. And it was really just holding on to those values and not changing as a person. Hold on to the values and it will get better. Every day will be different. Scott, it's clear from the documentary that, that this has been a, a massive relationship and that's one that you care about deeply. Could you tell us a little bit about how you feel about the journey that you and Ben have been on together? Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, there was a friendship there made out of the fact that we sort of got similar DNA and what we like and love. So, yeah, to see someone help themselves, and I think that's the key thing. Ben's had some great support, but ultimately, he has helped himself. And to see Ben take all of the support but use it and actually succeed is just, yeah, a great story. It's been gratifying that I can play a part, absolutely. And uh, if there is anyone out there who's hearing about the 1,000-mile kayak race and thinking, oh, yeah, I might try that, I'm not sure how big that demographic is, but Ben, Scott, could you tell us what it's like to actually go through the challenge of the Yukon 1000? I think it's the best week ever, wouldn't you say, Scott? Yeah, absolutely. Could you run me through some of the strains and injuries of that best week ever? Well, I magically turned up in Whitehorse with COVID, um, so that was a bit of a curveball, but we got through it with no lasting effects, which was great. And then I magically got trench foot along the way, which is still healing to this day. And we are getting close to a year on and it's still healing. What did you have, Scott? Just got a bit of um, something funny happened with my right hand. My pinky fingers sort of locked as if it's still gripping the paddle. Um, and uh, I got some nerve damage my left foot started to lose feeling on the on the peg of the kayak and, and funnily enough, hasn't come back. So still got a numb left foot, but, you know, we've got a few years left in me, so hopefully the you know, it'll come back eventually. Well, it sounds like the achievement of a lifetime, but something tells me that neither of you is the sort of person to draw a line under these sort of extreme challenges. Do you have any other new um, insane <laughs> ventures uh, on the horizon? <laughs> Um, so Scott and I are going back up to do the Yukon River Quest, which is only a 500-mile paddle race, which I'm really, really, really excited about. And then, Scott, what are you going on to do from there? Um, I'm off to Greenland to do a solo paddle and trek around the east part of the east coast of Greenland. Well, it really is a remarkable story and an incredible friendship that you've got and it's been great speaking with both of you, Ben Lott and Scott Worthington. Thanks very much for speaking with us on RN.
No, I pre- so really appreciate it. Thanks very much. That was uh, Extreme Endurance Friends, Ben Lott and Scott Worthington, who together finished the Yukon 1000, billed as the world's toughest survival and endurance race. They did it in six days and 15 hours. And Scott's also the co-creator of the New Zealand endurance race, The Revenant. And Ben is now the CEO of the creative agency Big On Writing, which was started by Scott's wife, Sue. Getting in touch with ABCRN is easy. Join the conversation live using the ABC Listen app's call and text features.